self-care is such mental important. Go ahead, Matt. No, I'm sorry. Just oh, really just mental gonna... help. <laughs> what? Mississippi. Who? What? No, you go. <laughs> no, no, you go. Go, go ahead. <laughs> no, what I, what I was going to say. everybody thank you so much for hanging out with us for this stream weekend it's been super fun so far we had a blast last night and it was awesome having our day kicked off by two amazing streamers and thank you so much for all of your support now we uh we're going to actually take over for the next couple hours. And for the time being, we are actually going to be talking to one of the staff members over at to write love on our arms, James Inks. James, how you doing? I'm good. What's going on, Joe, Matt? Hey, hey, I hey, am hey. joining from to write love and we have a cool collaboration coming up, which I think yes. this event is all about raising funds for, which is awesome. And we can't thank you guys enough for, for thinking of us and in, inviting us to participate in it with you. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for, for collaborating and working with us. It's actually been so much fun working with you, Erica and Amber all together. Erica's um, the coolest. Erica, like she's sort of first year with us and she is working on confidence and decision-making and she's like, should I send them this or do that? I'm like, yeah, do it. Go for it. <laughs> I love it. She's We're doing to empower, great. Yeah, she is. She's awesome. I'm trying to empower Erica to make make decisions and get things done. She's been doing great. That's fantastic. Yeah, she everybody's been so helpful and just the the amount of just love and drive and passion everybody has is just absolutely amazing and I know when I talked to you at the beginning when we started thinking about this actually this idea came from one of our ambassadors who was sharing a story about their struggles with suicide and how it affected them as well. Uh, they lost a friend and they were talking about uh, ideations themselves. And this was such a huge, huge uh, topic and issue all the way, not, not just, just in, the, in the United States, but all around the world. And when she talked about that, I talked to Matt and was like, we should really do something about this. This is, this is such a big, big topic. And it would be absolutely amazing to reach out to... James over at Right Love on Her Arms and the team over there and see if we could do something together. And I sent you a message and I can't tell you how excited not only myself, but Matt just jumped through the roof. <laughs> I swear he canceled all of his clients for the rest of the day just to celebrate just out of excitement. <laughs> the first meeting that we had, you know, about uh, do about doing these kits, you know, I, I call that a work. I was like, no, no. Yeah. I need to be here. For this. <laughs> I have to be there first for it. <laughs> I have to be there. I have to be focused, but also like I have to fanboy a little bit because once Joe sent me that message, I didn't necessarily think about to write love in our arms. And I'm going to be honest because I was like, no, nah, we're never going to get them there. They're huge. And he's like, well, no, I know James. And then I screamed. And I think it was like yeah. 11 o'clock at night. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and it was it. We were in Boston, right? Where I met Joe, I think. Was it PAX East? That was the, that was like the last convention before the world closed. Actually, that was March 2020. You're absolutely uh, right. Maybe late February. I can't yeah. remember when it was. And I still love telling the story of how I met you. And uh, I, Alan was in the booth with me and I, I was telling Matt, I'm like, dude, 
I can't lie. It was, I think it was the Saturday <laughs> of the convention. I'm like, James and his friend came into the diversity lounge like rock stars <laughs> came over and was talking. And I'm like, dude, it was the coolest thing ever. I'm like such a cool guy. I go, I, I really hope that we could work together and do something, you know, going down the road. I'm like, that was just it, that moment will live in my, in my memory forever. It, it was the, just the, so the timing. Cool. The timing was perfect. There was a lot yes. going on at PAX East too. Cause I think um, gamers hotline like launched that weekend. I think like mm-hmm. the weekend of PAX to right. Love you know, we we've done TwitchCon for a couple of years now, but we haven't had a booth at PAX yet. And that'll that'll change eventually. We were probably gonna do it in 2020, early 2021, but uh-huh. the uh the global panini threw us yeah. off a little bit, which is a big bummer. But we're still we're still thrilled to be in the space, right? I mean, we I, I still feel like we're we're new kids on the block in terms of mental health organizations because you guys have been around for uh, well, it's been probably what a year and a half now. When was your actual founding date? You're probably pushing two uh, years. 2018, I think, I think our okay. founding date for oh, that's the way longer than I thought. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. Like 2019, so I thought we were in two years. That's when we really started coming out. Uh, we wanted okay. to make sure that we had all of our ducks in a row, uh, make sure we had all of our registrations, everything done yeah. and in line. Yeah. And then we did a real push in 2019. Very cool. It really came out strong. And yeah. it's been amazing. You guys in Rad, um, who's been around for a while. Oh, I know. They're Anxiety awesome. Gamers. Artists formerly known as Anxiety Gamers. So so it's good. I mean, so for Two Right Love, you know, getting to engage with you guys in the space, I can give a little background on, on what Two Right Love is. So um, Two yeah. Right Love on her arms, it's a long organization, a uh, long name for an organization. We always say Tuoloha, like Aloha, but with a Tua at the front. The reason the organization carries that title is because it started from a MySpace blog post back in 2006, which was written by our founder, Jamie. Uh, and he was telling a story of uh, his friend, Renee, who dealt with addiction in, in self-harm and she was ready to make a change in her life. She had friends that were ready to help her make a change in her life. She couldn't check into rehab. She still had drugs in her system. And so she had to basically get sober before she could check into rehab. And Jamie, our founder, was with a cohort of friends that basically lived with her. I think it was a week or two weeks. You know, they let her use drugs for one last time while they were there. And then they helped her basically go cold turkey and get clean and then go into rehab. The story of that was what Jamie wrote about in his blog post, which was titled To Write Love on Her Arms, which was about Renee. That started a movement. The title of that blog was printed on t-shirts and those t-shirts went on to sell and funded the the original foundation of the organization. And since then, you know, Jamie's a prolific writer, prolific speaker, I have a copy of his book somewhere around here, but that became what To Right Love was. And so, you know, the organization really, we, we believe that breaking down stigma um, save lives, talking about addiction, talking about, you know, thoughts of intrusive thoughts of suicide um, and all of the mental health topics that are adjacent to that, of which there are many, mm-hmm. you know, just starting conversations is the first step for people getting help. And that was, that's still what we do today. And that was a huge part of the original story. Uh, when we were founded in in 2006 that's amazing yeah and i remember going to see him he he was um talking at uh my co- actually college of staten island yeah he still does we'll <laughs> do more of that now now that the world's coming back yeah up, but. and i remember seeing him and it was it was amazing like the story itself i left crying i think i cried midway through it just that whole story and that understanding of what happened and how you know to ride love in our arms was formed it's amazing. And I remember hearing of you guys during 
Warp Tours, Bamboozle, mm, yeah. all the music scenes. Bamboozle. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure this that's where I got this and I still have it. There you go. And I said when I said fanboy, I mean fanboy. There's some good vintage um, merch out there. Some good vintage merch floating around out there. Yeah. <laughs> and I was the one in my friend group going around with the marker and writing love. And I, I didn't care if my friend said, you know, like, no, don't do it. I was like, no, you're doing it anyway. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> it's you know, happening. You know what's funny good. about that? People actually writing the word love on their arms as a part of our organization. We didn't do anything to create that at all. Like the two no. love organization has <laughs> never officially encouraged that. That was completely something the community did on their own. And people still mm-hmm. do today. Like we still have pretty vibrant high school programs and in, in college campus programs. Yes. And people will do that on their own now. And that really had nothing to do with us directly. <laughs> No, and we actually did it in my high school. We we held a yep. little we held a small fundraiser and anybody who donated, we would, you know, if they wanted to, we, yeah. we had like different colored sharpies and everything like that. The teachers didn't like it, but we did it on the down low. Yeah. Um right. <laughs> but but that's how that's how long I I know that I've been following you guys. And it, I think one of the big things that where our organizations sort of meet is exactly that breaking that stigma. You know, yeah, sure. I want to throw it to Joe because I am still relatively new and I don't think it's fair if I go into the story. I think, I think it's better if Joe kind of goes into it. it. Tell us about I it. I absolutely <laughs> can. I mean, um, <laughs> we actually started uh, several years ago. I think it was in uh, 2017. I was a member of another gaming community and we would run benefit streams for other organizations that made impacts uh, for gamers throughout the gaming community. And I probably have about 35 streams under my belt for charity streams. And uh, we got done one day and uh, asked ourselves, uh, what should we do now? And we got to thinking. And in that moment, we started really reaching out to other players in the gaming community and seeing doing check-ins with them and seeing how they are. When you play in large online games and stuff, you start building relationships with individuals and you start really understanding verbal cues on how somebody might be doing. James is usually very high spirited, a lot of fun and this and that. And so, you know, this one day we're doing a raid and he was very quiet and reserved and Afterwards, uh, we started reaching out. So we created a peer support network within that gaming community. And from there, we expanded into supporting other organizations throughout the, the gaming community that really have focuses on mental health. And after a while, we, we identified that we could really bring something to the table. We identified certain things that we could do that other organizations weren't necessarily doing. And so we started really putting our heads together, putting a team together and everything. And then uh, we formed our nonprofit to really put our best foot forward and to stand shoulder to shoulder with our peers at other mental health organizations and foundations. And even to this day, we absolutely love working with other organizations because we're all essentially working for the same cause, you know, to make Mm -hmm. a positive impact and difference throughout the community. And whether it be music, gaming, whatever, all communities alike, everyone suffers from, from these, from these things. So we created a special one of a kind bots where people can utilize uh, mental health and crisis resources while gaming on Twitch and discord. Uh, We started creating programs like our mental health kit program, which has been very successful and has helped 
so many countless people with providing them resources with no costs associated. So uh, after that, we, we, like you touched on earlier, we incorporated the nonprofit in 2018 and really came out the gate in 2019 to really, really make a difference throughout our community. And here we are in 2021 and we continue to grow and make more of an impact, work with great organizations like uh, Twalaha. Did I say it right? <laughs> Twalaha. Close. Twalaha. It's hard. <laughs> it's, I'll get there. Yeah, I'll get there. It'll be next year, but I'll get there. But it's been really not, not an easy amazing. acronym. You know what? You say that and you're being super nice. It's not, it's just my speech. Uh, I will get it though. I think I just have it ingrained in my head of saying it that way so many times. And then I hear the correct way. It's like, I'll get it. I'll get it. But no, that's, uh, that's where we came out and we're already planning for 2022 with bringing public trainings and uh, courses and certifications for the public Mm -hmm. that don't have a cost associated with them at all as well. Yeah. We'll have to talk about that because we have, what is it called? Our move program. We'll talk about that more. Yeah. There's a thing thing on that. (laughs) (laughs) We can, we can do something with that too, I think. Yeah. That'd Um, be great. But you know, I mean, just on that or, or even on, on our collaboration with, with what you guys are already up to, right. For two right love, our, our roots were really became accidentally became the music scene, right? Everybody talks about kind of knowing to Right love from, from Warp Tour. Mm-hmm. The end of Warp Tour was really what, or kind of how to Right love got involved on Twitch. Oddly enough, um, we had kind of moved on to the EDM scene, but with gaming, mm-hmm. you know, this is 2018. So when you guys were founded, actually it was the first year that we started to deliberately engage gaming in the Twitch world. Um, I actually sent, I didn't work for them at the time. I sent to Right love a cold email. <laughs> And I was like, all your Warped Tour kids, all the scene kids are like on TikTok and Twitch now. Like you should, I don't even know if TikTok was around yet in 2018. Maybe it was, but not as popular. But I was like, you need to follow your demographic into Twitch. And they sort of let me run with the organization for like six months running pilot programs. And then really quickly, I think the rest of the Two Right Love staff who had been there for a while realized that number one, there's a huge need for mental health in the gaming universe, right? I think that gaming in general tends to have this escapism element to it. Absolutely. Um, tends to attract, not not everybody, but tends to attract people that are looking for, for something that they can put their mind on pause with. And then at the same time, you know, you had an abundance of people streaming games, which was something that was kind of new still, right? I mean, Justin TV had been around, but I think like 2018, 2019 is when TwitchCon went from this little event to just like yeah. this massive thing, right? I mean, it was 2019 was a huge year for it. And um, streamers started to talk a lot about the, the difficulty of making it on the platform, which led to mental health discussions, which led to a bunch of homegrown mental health organizations coming out of the gaming space, right? You guys, um, mm-hmm. Rad, had been there a little bit before, but it was very obvious to the rest of the Two Right Love staff that there's a huge need for for what we do in the gaming world. And we've been trying to integrate with organizations that were here before us, right? I mean, we look to you guys for that, right? Two Right Love, I mean, you know, again, more of the music scene transitioning to gaming, but you have folks like yourselves and Rad who have been around in the scene for longer than our organization have. And we're, we're just so appreciative to be to be included in it. I we're happy that you're here. I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun. It's so. Um, it's just so. It's so different. It's just so different than I think. Every little community yeah. has its own vibe to it, right? 
even within gaming, right? Like the Destiny community is different than what what will be the New World community, which is starting to form. Um, oh yeah, I yeah, see. I'm yeah. excited. <laughs> New World. Looks I'm excited so for that too. Did actually. you jump in that yet? I was in the huh? last beta, but not this one. Not yet. It, it looks <laughs> it looks really good. It does. And if it's if it's not subscription based, it's going to be even better. <laughs> I don't know if it will be. If it, do I don't know, know yet. They haven't announced. I haven't too. seen anything. And it's coming out in August, from what I've seen. So like, I thought, I think by now they would have. But as we're as we're digressing, this is what the gaming community really is about, yeah. like you said. And each community is very, very different. You know, the yeah. Destiny community is different from. I go back to Nintendo, like the Pokemon or the Super Smash Brothers community. You know, World or the Warcraft. Overwatch community. Yeah, or World the Warcraft. Pokemon. There's a box of unopened TCG cards right there. In the back of the frame, that's what that is. Is that corner. what that is? Oh yeah. my god, that's amazing! <laughs> Don't mind that's that. That's amazing. And look at that. That, that eventually, that, and that became a huge resurgence. I think during uh, quarantine and because of TikTok, actually, oh, yeah. Pokemon cards like blew up again. Yep. Like they were always popular, but it blew up again. And it goes back to that like escapism. It goes back to that sort of need for oh, nostalgia. People were so and nostalgia nostalgia so badly when everybody was locked down. It's been a rough mental health 18 months. It, it certainly has. It certainly has. And I think, for, I think for gaming in particular, it's been rocky, right? I mean, one of the one I would say one of the first tailored things that we did in in the gaming world came out came out of something horrifying which which is continuing now with the news that we have at, yeah. at activision blizzard unfortunately right i mean in early 2020 a lot of people were coming out with me too stories you know mm-hmm. survivors of harassment or assault and a lot of that was coming out and we attached a restricted fund to our mental health scholarship fund so so for the folks that are watching everything that we're doing right now ends up zeroing in on World Suicide Prevention Day, which is what the suicide prevention kits that Guardians is assembling with with some to right love materials included in it. All of that sort of fits together. So when we look at World Suicide Prevention Day as to right love in our arms, part of all of the fundraising that we do around World Suicide Prevention Day feeds into our scholarship program, which covers the cost of therapy or counseling for folks that are uninsured or underinsured. You know, folks that already have a therapist or counselor, we can work to basically pay that counselor on behalf of the patient, uh, or we can help find them a therapist that participates in that program um, with us. But as an attachment to that program, we actually have a restricted fund that is specifically for people in, uh, I believe it's defined broadly as media and entertainment, but it's really for the Twitch community, folks that are uh, recovering from instances of harassment or sexual harassment. So if you know of anyone that's at uh, Activision Blizzard that that needs therapy or counseling, we actually have a fund that's dedicated to that, that lives in Two Right Love's therapy and counseling scholarship program. That's amazing. That's so, that's fantastic. And just knowing that, I know several people that are actively working there in mm-hmm. some caliber, and I'll definitely be reaching out to them and letting them know that this does exist for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're just so, we're so appreciative of, how um, welcoming everyone has been to Two Right Love's involvement in the gaming community, right? Whether it be donors or, or streamers that have fundraised for us or organizations that are that are endemic to the space like you guys. Very quickly on, we were like, okay, we don't want to just be passively involved here, right? Like how do we build things mm-hmm. that that actively benefit a community that's willing to help fund our mission? And that was where that came out of. You know, and I, I think on that regard too, right? When we, especially when we talk about streamers just in general, Guardians has been working very closely with Geek Therapeutics. 
geeks like us to create sort of like a streamer mental health kit to help assist. Because I think the, the other thing that happens too is streamers don't know necessarily how to manage yeah. other people's sure. uh, emotional and mental health issues. Cause it comes, it happens, you know, a lot of times when people feel comfortable in streams, they do. And I've heard this term on TikTok actually a lot now too, but they come in and they do what's known as a trauma dump. Sure. And really what that means is just, they're expressing their feelings. Something has happened and they're just venting. And sometimes streamers don't know how to handle that. And rightfully so they're not a mental health professional not all of them at least and so and even in that space they're not supposed to be um so it's really more so now how do you manage somebody who's in like a little bit of an acute crisis and what we've done with the other organizations is like okay let's here's what you can do you don't you don't end your you don't have to end your stream you can really just provide them some basic resources and try to not necessarily stop the conversation but reduce the acuity of the situation and a little bit of that is like identifying safety what's going on things like that but have it incorporated more within the stream and not actively fighting against it in a sense right yeah a lot of streamers are starting to add panels um yes or sort of passive commands that exist i know i know you guys have the uh, the discord bot that you created that uh just just Twitch. Put our, you, you just put it's our awesome. find help and tool Twitch. in chat. Actually, yeah, a lot of people use that the find help tool that you just put in chat in uh, mm-hmm. either in their panels or as a, an active command in their streams. I think it's um it's something that happens to sort of up and coming streamers too, right? Where their their chats are active, but they're not like flying by so quickly that the broadcaster can't read what's right. happening in chat, where the viewer feels like they can actually have a conversation. And I, and I think just inevitably from you know be, being prepared as a broadcaster to you know to help without feeling so much responsibility that you don't know what to do, if that makes sense, right? Like, like it's okay to be like, I'm not a mental health professional. Like I'm not geared to help you. I can listen, mm-hmm. right? I can always listen, but I'm not geared to, to getting to, to helping you or, or to, to giving you the help that you need. And I think that folks are afraid of saying that because it comes off as dismissive, but right. you think about what makes people seek help, right? What, what, what makes someone seek help? And it tends to be like a trusted friend that's telling you, Hey, like, this is actually an issue that you need to go get help for, right? As opposed mm-hmm. to saying, oh, no, you're fine. You'll be okay, right? You'll make it through it. Those are nice things to say. But even better is being like, okay, that is a serious problem. You're not unhinged for struggling with it, right? Like that's mm-hmm. a valid feeling. It's valid that you're struggling with it. And so what is the next valid step that you can take, right? And here are some resources that can get you closer, right? It's not a cure-all. It's never a cure-all. But here are some resources that can get you closer to where you need to be. Right. Because just telling somebody, oh, you'll be fine, you know, go shopping. Yeah. That does not help. Right. It, actually, in a sense, in, in a way, it invalidates the feelings where it's like, oh, right. this is Without not a big deal to. for you. Right. Without, Without intending, intending to, to, right. Yeah. I don't think people, I don't think everybody's, I don't think others do it maliciously, but, you know, it's more so like you're being trusted by this person. Because as, as a therapist, I also do know the first thought in everybody's mind is, is not to go see a therapist. Right. You know, the first thought is to go talk to a friend. The first thought is to go talk to somebody close to them. And Mm -hmm. that's where the friend comes in and is like, I hear you. That problem is awful. I'm sorry you're going through it. Maybe we can find ways for you to get additional help or support for that. That's the better way, I think, of handling a situation like that. And actually, that kind of leads us into one of the other things to talk about. Because like you mentioned, this whole kit is in relation to suicide prevention. Mm-hmm. 
right? And its main goal is to, I, I put it in a sense as to normalize talking about suicidal ideation and, and to prevent suicide. Because I know for me personally, when I was in school, when I was going to my master's, that was the one thing that I was petrified of in my internships is like, oh my God, what if somebody tells me they want to hurt themselves? Yeah, sure. I was petrified of it. Like, what do I do? And I finally, I found, I had a supervisor who I'm still in touch with these days who said, no, no, we're going to talk about this and we're going to normalize you talking about this as well sure. too. Yeah. Because that's what's needed. Because the first thing that you can't do is be surprised and panic because that's not going to help anybody. Right, mm -hmm. right, right, right. Yeah. And there's, there's some stigma in that wrapped in that too, right? I mean, the stigma yeah. of like, I, I think there's this desire to treat people that say, oh, like I'm... I'm having thoughts of suicide and then you, you want to treat them like a, like a fragile Christmas ornament or something. Right. Like that they're made out of like the thinnest paper ever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> one, like if I like say anything to upset them or yeah, or, or, you know, I have a friend of mine who we, we did lose to suicide. Unfortunately, it was a couple of years ago, but I, I, when I reflect back on it now, I, I learned a lot, right. Because his name is Grant. Hmm. There were times when I would want to ask Grant what he was feeling or if he was feeling, but there was this weird stigma around, like if I ask him and then, like remind him of those thoughts, like, would that be triggering to him for me to ask him if he was like struggling or entertaining thoughts of suicide mm -hmm. at that time? And that's how I thought back then. And now I realized that like, it would have been better to ask, right? It would always have been better to ask. Um, yeah. But that's hard, right? It's hard because you don't, Very. again, you, you want to treat people like fragile, you know, fragile rice paper. <laughs> Or something was, and like not put holes through it. It's, but that's yeah. what stigma does, right? I mean, stigma, yes. you know, and that, those conversations save lives, right? Being able to ask somebody that, we, we believe it to right love that those conversations save lives. And so, uh, you know, mm -hmm. having open and honest conversations about these difficult subjects is is what keeps people alive. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that was one of the hardest things that I struggled with when I became a crisis counselor with Crisis Text Line. It was just I wanted to be so delicate with people when right. I was interacting with them. And I'm not going to lie for the probably first 60 call uh, texters that I helped and interacted with. I felt that way. I wanted to be very just slow and let them talk. And I was just afraid to, to jump into it. And now I'm a lot more laid back. And one of my favorite things to do with when I jump on, I still jump on at least once a week to help out and volunteer is the collaborative problem solving. I love letting them get to the answer themselves. Like Matt said, you know, first thing with, you know, you, people don't think the first thing I need is go to therapy. Right. But when you're talking to somebody mm -hmm. and you're being that friend and you're listening to them actively and you start asking them certain questions of what they feel their next step is. You know, what do you think a good next step would be? Well, this or that. What about this? And you kind of start guiding them and working with them with the tools that they have and the things that they know. And then you start referring them to some resources that could help bring them to that next step, which is really, really important yeah. and i've seen that just that process right there helps so many other people suicide prevention is a very difficult thing to because it like you said it carries such a huge stigma on it yeah. people when they hear the word i think one of the statistics actually is for every suicide in the country 135 people are affected by it 
So mm-hmm. it trickles and you might not be affected directly, but indirectly you, everyone has been affected by it in one way or another, a family yeah. member, a friend, a cousin. The, the real tragic thing is that in that too, is that we know that people that do seek consistent help usually overcome it and survive. I think that's a common thing of stigma where people are like, oh, if somebody, if somebody is entertaining suicide, then they're going to succumb to it eventually, right? Maybe they can get better for a little bit, but then they'll fall back into a pit. And this is inevitable, right? If somebody wants to to go down that path, I don't really know where that comes from. I mean, we've got plenty of data that Matt probably knows because your your clinical experience would would inform you on it. You know, it's so there are two schools of thought with it, realistically. Mm-hmm. Right. And yes, obviously there is a much higher increase of success if somebody is in consistent therapy and, you know, if it rises to the occasion, you know, evaluated and taking medication. Yes, there's uh, there is 100 percent a greater chance of somebody recovering in a sense and being able to have better coping skills to manage some of the thoughts there. The other school of thought, unfortunately, is exactly what you said, is that if somebody truly is sick. And that's how I talk about it. When somebody is truly unable to control the, or have, you know, has have consistent and very intrusive thoughts. Sometimes there is a little bit of an obsession and a compulsion where somebody does end their life. And I guess a little bit of a trigger warning because we're going into a little bit of a deeper conversation here. And I will actually Joe to what you said, how one suicide affects several, Mm -hmm. um, I do have like a little bit of a story earlier this year, somebody that I was working with, I did lose, unfortunately, to to suicide. And there was a significant there was a lot that was going on. But what's scary was the other people that I was seeing within that clinic all heard about it, all knew yeah. about it. And when I tell you everybody was affected everybody was. I had more phone calls that day. I had more clients coming in saying, you know, not, you know, but also like this happened. I feel this way now. I knew him or I knew this, I I knew them and everything sort of happened. So it's, it's scary when, when, when that happens. And I'll be honest, seeing it as firsthand, you know, you always read about it in stats and things like that, but that was one of the days where I saw it firsthand. And I was Mm. like, this is what this is what happens you know and this is exactly what goes on within a community and where i live as big as it is it's also very small and everybody knows each other and so when this took place not only did it affect me as a clinician and joe and and jl can attest to that for the earlier months of february sure. but we started seeing it in the clinic that i work with how many other people were affected as well too so we were in this, we were in our own crisis mode of making sure that everybody was okay, providing the additional support, you know, clients that we saw once a week turned into twice a week for about a month after all of this was going on. And to this day, I, I hold on to that. And I remember I'm like, this is, this is all the negative, everything that they've taught about everything that I've been taught just happened. Yeah. And it, it, and this is why I'll always say, this is where it's important to always speak up, to always remember that you are not alone. Even if it's the person that you know feel you feel as though doesn't care, nine times out of ten, they do care. Right. Yeah. And you know, but I think both trauma 
and survived trauma, stories of survived trauma echo loudly, right? And if, mm-hmm. if people didn't care or if you really were alone, then those stories wouldn't echo the way that they do out to inspire other people. I mean, we talked about Two Right Love's founding. That's one. That's mm-hmm. Renee's story. That's Renee's story with self, recovering from self-harm and recovering from her addiction, right? And that's a story of survived trauma. And that was in 2006. And we're in 2021. And our organization is still thriving and entering new communities and collaborating with you guys for the upcoming World Suicide Prevention Day and the suicide prevention kits that are that you're uh, assembling now, I'm sure. I see one's on the desk behind you, um, <laughs> or at least the bag is. I actually posted a picture in our group chat uh, to show you what all the materials look like all together right now so far. Yeah. But, but that, the message, you know, you, you are not alone. Um, we also use the term you matter. You know, they sound to, to a cynical person, they could say, oh, that's, you know, just a generic nice thing to say. But, but the context for why we say them is exactly what Matt was just saying is that, you know, your, your story, especially if it involves trauma and in, in fighting to survive echoes, and it, it has dramatic impact on the way that uh, other people live their lives. And I also think going back to, to the story that I mentioned too, I think it entails people where people that you didn't think even knew or knew who you were or cared about you. I think the aspect of that when one suicide affects several thousand other people, that to me, that is proof. That's data and that's statistical proof that, yeah. no, there are people that hear and saw you and care about you. Sure. So to me, that's also another aspect here of, even when we don't think about it, even when we feel as though we're at at our lowest and there's nobody around us, there really is. And that's one of the biggest things I think that's in our kit that's going to be in this kit, right? Uh, the suicide prevention kit are those numbers, are those hotlines, are those people that do care, who don't even know you, but will listen to you and will get sure. you support and will help the, you. It, this is one of the reasons that I, I think I love Twitch mental health fundraising in general, but particularly with mental health on Twitch, because donors and the people that broadcast on Twitch are so much more visible, right? Personal, because mm-hmm. you, you can look at a, a, a mental health themed organization and, you know, if you never saw or heard from any of the donors, if you never saw from any of the people that are like, I care enough about this to dedicate, you know, hours and hours and hours of my channel time and content to caring about this. Like I love mental health stuff on Twitch because you can see the names and the faces of the people either in chat or, or on camera, if they're a broadcaster and it, and it's so much more, it's indisputable, right. To say that there's this huge cohort of people that care deeply um, about this and want to see me survive. And not only want to see me survive, but want to see me tell my story, right? And inspire other people to survive too. We just, we were, we're extremely lucky that the uh, team uh, on Twitch called The Nook um, has kind of adopted To Write Love for their summer charity festival. And mm. all of the broadcasters that participate in that share mental health stories that are relevant to them, right? Which inspires other streamers to do the same thing, which inspires other donors to look in the mirror and think about their own lives, right? And, and think about what they need to do to take better care of themselves. Um, watching that groundswell happen has 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 just been awesome. And, and it reinforces everything that we're talking about, right? That, that you matter, your stories matter, and that your stories echo and, and inspire other people. Even, even, you know, what seems like a mundane story, which is like, 
I used a tool that I found in Guardians Mental Health's Discord bot, right? And I got help. Like that doesn't sound like this sexy, flashy story, but they're critical stories because those absolutely other people go and and, and do the same thing. I mean, from from your side in the in the clinical universe, you know, do, do you know how people find you initially? Like how people typically find their way um, into clinical therapy or counseling? Yeah. So I have two sides to that because I have two jobs. My first job is I work within a uh, clinic for adults and adolescents with uh, substance abuse and uh, mental health. So through there, a lot of our intakes, a lot of our clients come through the hospital. So there was a crisis at one point and they sought out immediate medical or immediate support, which tends to be in, if we're in acute crisis, which tends to be a hospital setting. So they'll get treated, they'll get evaluated within a hospital, and then they'll get a referral to see me or several other colleagues that I work with. And that's where a large portion of our clients come from. Otherwise it's a lot of who knows who, again, where I live, it's, 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 uh, it's a big place, but it's a small place. So name recognition is a huge thing. And where I work is pretty well known within where I live as a component of children's and adult health. So a lot of times it's through just word of mouth as well. And that's been one of the big things that we've seen recently, especially during COVID is more and more people saying, where can I get help? Yeah. And, you know, and just I've, being able to figure that out easily yeah. is a lot of it. Because, yeah. I, well, I, you know, I, I think that people feel they feel isolated, even though they're not. Right. 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 They feel like there isn't a place to go or they don't know where to go or how to start or they don't have insurance. And they're like, you know, maybe I maybe I would go to therapy, but I know that I can't afford it because I don't have insurance. So what do I even do? Right. Yeah. Where where do I even go with this? And so that's why the suicide prevention kits or the mental health kits and and now the suicide prevention kits that are being created that this fundraiser funds, by the way, um, that (laughs) Joe is showing off. Um, you know, those are free um, of cost to folks yes. that, that want them and funded by, by Guardians Mental Health donors more specifically, but they're they're full of uh, resources where folks can go to get help for uh, as far as finding their way to Two Right Love's website. Again, our scholarship program is there to help cover the cost of therapy and counseling for people that mm-hmm. have no insurance, have never had a therapist, will find you one. Oh, you have the hopeful app card. That's yes. cool. We have a mental health app that's available on uh, iOS and Android. That's uh, completely free. There are no ads on it. Um, it's a journaling app and a mood it. tracker app. Yeah, it's it's yes. a, it's a it's really really cool. I'm I'm really proud of the organization and the and the folks within To Right Love that worked on that. Yeah, um, I've given that to several clients, and they, yes, they awesome. absolutely love it. I have they, too. They absolutely love it. That's great. The other side of that coin is as far as like where to find help and. There are great websites, Psychology Today, that will put you in touch with local therapists within your area. You know, to touch upon cost, and now I live in New York, moving to Jersey, but I live in New York right now. And what I will say is this, there are places where you can get support no matter cost or insurance. Yes. Right? There are call around primarily, and I've I've, I've said this on a podcast in the past, but any time because I think there's also a stigma behind the word clinic. Everybody thinks it's not the greatest, it's it's poorly run, sure. things like that. No, no. I work for a clinic and it's the nicest place I've ever worked. And I have a I have a nice office. My pop figures are in there. It's great. <laughs> and I also and 
at, at other jobs. You had to mention the, the pop figures, didn't you? I had to mention the pop in. figures. Yeah. Got to get them in somehow. <laughs> no, but it really somebody else anyway <laughs> i think everybody thinks of like dark dingy places yeah. where there are people who are screaming and i'm like no no stigma, you're, you're, stigma right exactly no you you step into my office you're gonna see every you know nerd i have critical role books in there too like it's ridiculous but cl- it's clinics a like that atmosphere yeah it is and they provide you with support on a financial level see the clinics like that you'll never be turned away We'll take, we'll do an intake. We'll see what we can do. We'll set you up with services, whether it's grants, whether we do something known as charity care for a little while till we figure out a plan, so to speak. Sure. And I will say too, there are also private therapists because also where I've worked in the past that do sliding scale. So if you have an income coming in, let's take a look and see, right? Yep. And there are programs, there are places where they'll do it. Okay. $30 per session. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, or you know what? Let's do two weeks. See how your finances are from sure. there. Yeah, you know there we do that are with our programs like program that too. Yeah, way. like we can do partial coverage in the case that someone does have some financial means, be insurance, or right. whatever it is. Or and you know, we have a lot of great partners, as you're saying, that are that are willing to uh, do kind of a sliding scale. Yeah, 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 and. and you have the great scholarship program, but also other organizations too, like Rad. Has a lot their, of yeah. They do a lot of it. And mm-hmm. that's what they base a lot of their work on is helping individuals cover the costs for therapy. Yeah. Rad's a great organization. Rad's rad. Rad. Rad, rad is rad. Rad, rad is rad. <laughs> <laughs> so there are, there are tools out there. There are people out there. There are organizations. There are, and even there are local clinics out there. There are local places out there, people out there who are willing to help. And I you know, and this this is a joke among social workers, but it's the truth among social workers. We didn't we didn't we didn't go into this for money, right? We understood right. what we were going sure. into when we went to school. So we're not. I, I, I'll speak for me. I am not going to take or ask for three hundred dollars per session when I know damn well that right now there's financial circumstances right. that are causing a level of anxiety or depression or stress. Right. Sure. I, for lack of a better word, that'd be effed up. <laughs> on my part. Yeah. yeah. But I'll work with you. I'm still going to talk to you. That doesn't mean you don't deserve services. That doesn't mean, you know, maybe if I can't for whatever reason, I'm going to find somebody who can for you. And that's the other thing. You know, we're going to make this work one way or the other. Yeah. So, no, that's excellent. I just and had an idea of adding we got, something we got else Joe. to the kit. We got Joe. <laughs> <laughs> What we do? We're doing it live. What are we doing? I'm, I'm no. playing with one of the uh, items from your. Oh, they're great! I have been this entire time. I always fiddle with this thing. It's on my desk I love all the it. time. I got it's one of those things that you didn't know you needed until you got it, and it's like, oh, this thing's neat. Yeah, and you're I having a conversation. Like, I play with this one on almost yeah. every call. I want to string like six of them together and make a mega one. I'll send you six of them. Might have to do. And the yeah. great thing is, they link together, so you could do yeah. that. You can. I have gotten <laughs> caught several times because I'm still doing telehealth with some clients. Sure. And as I'm talking, because I'm animated, I'll use hands, whatever, mm-hmm. and I'll have it in my hand. And I've gotten exposed. Like my, I had a client go, what is that? I was like, mm-hmm. oh, well, your therapist also has anxiety. So to make sure that, that it yeah, doesn't come right. through during the session, <laughs> I have this under the desk. It's very Freudian, <laughs> very Freudian of you. 
I like oh, I've, yeah, one. you know, I try a little bit. <laughs> I like these ones because they rotate instead of going like left, right, up and down. These ones are fully yeah. like non non rectilinear. No, nope. and not I'll tell you what, they, they come in a ball. <laughs> that was that was an I've, SAT word right there. <laughs> they come in a ball. I've never been able to put it back. But you know what? It, it's a great outlet for that energy. And Every one tools, of the kits, right? tools. yep, it's tools, and every one, tools. every one of the kits that are coming out uh, for the suicide prevention kits that are coming out for suicide prevention week are going to have one of those in it. And this mm-hmm. is one of the items that we all decided on. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm really excited what? to get those in everyone's hands. I remember that conversation. That was a very unanimous decision. It was. It was like instant. <laughs> yeah. Right. The one thing that I really, really did love that was suggested by uh, your team was to have the inclusion to uh, have resources that were bilingual to try and break (laughs) that barrier. uh, We're working on it, too. We're we're frankly behind on it, too. We're we're working on it for several of our other things, uh, programs and resources to have those available in English and Spanish. So, yeah, and it was and, actually actually his in chat. Siani's in chat right now. He was one of the folks that looked at the Spanish translation on it. Yeah. Oh, was he <laughs> native speaker himself? Yeah, he might still be out there. <laughs> Fantastic. If he sees an error, send me a message. No, but uh, <laughs> I had these looked at by three different people. Uh, we have one of our community members who is uh, in the legal field and does is bilingual, and he like harass me like joe do not use a translator because they do not translate correctly so he went through and and every item we're actually we have two more coming in but every item from the safety crisis plan the gratitude list and then the know your signs on the back side are all in spanish so it's really really great to have those available right there at your hand in the kit to have something truly for everyone and to really get these resources out to people that that could start utilizing them and it's it's amazing i i didn't know how much i would love it until i had them in my hand and i go this this is this is absolutely amazing yeah for sure you know this popped in my head as we were talking about these little uh little fidget guys Mm -hmm. you know we've talked a lot about therapy and counseling but that i i feel that that's an an intimidating step for some folks, right? If they've never been to therapy or counseling before, that can be like a really daunting step mm-hmm. to take, right? Right. It's like trying to walk up a staircase by stepping on, you know, the top stair first in in a lot of people's minds, at least. And I, I think what I really love about the kits is that they do give you smaller tools that you can work with on your own and build up your own comfort level. And now important for me to mention this because I do not work clinically as a mental health professional. My day job is in finance. <laughs> I do to write love stuff because it's fun. Most of the to write love community has no, or most of the to write love staff has no clinical experience at all. Just as to, to put that out there, but I'm a big fan of running experiments with yourself, right? Small social little experiments, right? If you've never been someone that goes mm-hmm. to the gym before and you hate running, right? Try to run for five minutes on day one, right? And you might find that that physical activity helps you feel a little bit better or not. And that's okay. If or not, then try something else. Keep a little fidget buddy on your desk for two weeks and see if that makes it easier for you to get through meetings or helps you lower your anxiety or helps you focus and do your job, right? We, we talk a lot mm-hmm. about hope at To Write Love. And hope is another one of those things that 
can be interpreted in so many ways that it's almost not useful. But for me, when I, when I talk about hope in light of to right love, I'm always talking about running infinite small experiments on that that might help improve your life. Understanding that 90% of the little experiments that you run are going to fail, but that 10% of them you will find the thing that you were looking for that can help you along the way. But part of hope is is having that fearlessness to keep trying little things, right? Because I mean, again, Matt knows this from a clinician, like I'm sure you've had clients that you don't vibe with well, but they go and they find another clinical, someone else, right? That they vibe with extremely well. And it's an incredibly Mm -hmm. successful relationship for them. Right. And I'm kind of like that too. I mean, I used to run, I can't run anymore because my feet and knees are bad, but that was a huge escape for me. Right. So Mm -hmm. found a different athletic endeavor that that helps me and helps, helps me ground myself. But I had to experiment with like five or six different things, right. That I tried for a week or two and said, ah, this isn't for me before I found one that worked. And I I think that working on your mental health is like that too. You might try meditation and it might be a horrible experience (laughs) and it doesn't work for you, but maybe you try yoga and you're like, yoga is dope. I like it. It helps, right. It's the thing (laughs) that I needed, but you have to be fearless about trying those things and willing to, to invest time and energy into your, into your mental well-being, and to, and to believe that you can find something you have to keep trying little things, right? We, we provide is, some little things in these mental health kits, the coloring book in there. We do yep. some Jour- journaling tools. Also um, music. Voice uh, to you play with music. Yeah. Yes. The little playlist. Troy Love and Arms playlist. The bracelet. The whole idea. The whole the idea is to reminders. do something different. Yeah. Do something different. Right. And I, I've worked in several locations and there was, I worked for some time within a, in, in a rehab setting actually for substance abuse. They all hated me because I repeated myself over and over and over again. And one of the things I told them, well, rep- repetition is mastery, but you also need to try something different. Yeah. Do the things that you've never done before because that's going to help you. And it, it is the little things. So even on a clinical level, I teach and show the little things because it's like, I, you got to try everything before you say that nothing works. Right. And that, and that's kind of where the idea of hope does come in because hope is a, hope is a huge thing. You know, we don't want to give false hope. We don't want to give hope that we, as you know, that mutually two people know is never going to happen, but you do want to give like, but you know, let's try these things. Because there's hope in these minor, there's hope mm-hmm. in these small skills and techniques that you're going to find something that you absolutely love, and that's what's important. So while they all hated me when I ran groups like that, in a sense, <laughs> I've had people come back to me and be like, "You know what? You know, shit, you were right." I was like, "Well, you know, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry that I was correct." <laughs> yeah, it's, and they don't have to be crazy things either. It's like, don't go to no. bed at one a.m. Go to bed at ten p.m. instead of one a.m. Like you'll be sh- like right. shocked, yeah. right? Like, again, I'm not a clinician at all, but my like sleep is, oh my God, sleep is hu- and, huge. Right. But that idea of going to bed at 10 o'clock can be foreign to somebody who's really sure. going and having oh, yeah. very intrusive thoughts. Yeah. So there is a, while the three of us here can kind of like recognize like, oh, all right, it makes sense for yeah. somebody who's kind of going through um, having issues with intrusive thoughts or depression or anxiety, going to bed at one o'clock in the morning has unfortunately become normal. Right. That is the and habit that they have. Yeah. That is the habit. And once we, you know, once somebody, and I, I include myself in that, once you start yourself in a habit like that, it's harder and harder and harder to break. Mm-hmm. And that's where the whole idea of doing something different is shock the body a little bit and try to get back to a normal sleep cycle. Sure. And 
the other thing that I tell everybody too, it's going to suck the first two days. I'm not oh, yeah. here to tell not you. Fun. <laughs> no. And I make sure and people, people like look at me like, well, why are you telling me that? Because I'd rather, you know, that it's going to be terrible for the first two days yeah. Yeah. to understand that there's going to be hope where the next five are much nicer because your body is getting used to it. Yeah. It's like you getting know? a tattoo. Nobody tells you the healing process. Yeah. Right. You know, they always tell you, oh, it, you know, it doesn't hurt that bad. They don't tell yeah. you the week and a half, two weeks of yeah, the like constant, oozing, like it's good. Itch, it's, it's, it's like nobody yeah. tells you about those parts. So being upfront with somebody like that and telling them it's going to suck for a few days. But once you get over that hurdle, yeah, you're going to feel so much better about it. Right. I'm it's, really excited for to write love in our arms to start making it to more like gaming conventions and stuff yeah. because not only is your mission so impactful and important for all communities, it's the merch message messages on everything are so strong and like empowering that. I would love to see that booth come up to see people pick up those physical reminders to get a hoodie and represent. And that's, that's so important to me because that's something that Matt could be walking down the street one day wearing a shirt and they see the message and it speaks to them. Yeah. And it, it, you know, it can move communities like that. It's, it's a unique part of our founding because again, the, mm. you know, I think it was a hundred t-shirts or something was the original print of Tourette love t-shirts. That was to get Renee some funds to help her go through her recovery journey. That was the original intention of, of those. Um, but we've always continued to have merch since then. And now we're as much a clothing retailer as we are not for profit. Right. So the clothing yeah. retail side of it, I think generates as much as charitable donations do. Um, our headquarters in Florida is actually a big merch warehouse where it's just like, some offices attached to a warehouse that ships out all of the stuff that's ordered ordered through us. And I, I think it's a I think it's a really cool part of it, right? I mean, again, from the mental health side, from the streaming side, it all it all works so well where people can can wear the things that they care about for lack of a better way to describe it. Just enforces what we talked about earlier. Yeah. Right. That that people do care and that you're not alone. And it's cool that at the height of COVID, when everybody was stuck in their homes and you could see that it was really starting to impact people in a negative way, just that cabin fever and, you know, the uncertainty of everything that you and your team took those, some of those designs and actually made a digital coloring book people could utilize from home, Mm -hmm. which is fantastic. We, we did the same thing with ours, but what's great about that as well is in these kits, uh, you actually provided us permission to actually put to write love on our arm on every page all those designs and they are just absolutely amazing and i'm not gonna lie my 12 year old daughter has already colored an entire book and see that dub one we used it. to have a tank top with that on it that we need to bring back it was called the cranes cranes something or whatever shirt anyway it's out of print now but i'm a big advocate for putting that back in the store there are a few people that have one that has like the like old super nintendo controllers on it that yeah. says people need people need other people. Um, but we never sold it in the store. I think right now there are only folks that were at the last TwitchCon and maybe a handful of streamers have that. I don't even I don't even have one. So for the people that <laughs> if you're one of the lucky people that has one, good for you. But um more more merch like that will be uh that'll be, will be put out. I hope I hope pretty soon. 
Yeah. And anything, of course, you know, going forward, anything we could do to help support, you know, to write love on our arms and, you know, collaborate and work together as we both, you know, all, both of our organizations continue on our missions. We always love working with the other organizations because no one's a one-stop shop. And I might sound like a broken record because I've, I say that a lot. And it's true though. No one is a one-stop yes, shop, yeah. but the more that we can guide individuals to organizations mm-hmm. that have focuses in what might be bothering them or to help them with their next step or to just work together on a yeah. group project to better other individuals' lives. We're always for it 100%. Every, every organization has a different vibe, right? Yeah. And I, I right. like that because I think that everybody approaches their own mental health in a different way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like I think of Two Right Love and just just the name itself has some edge and bite to it, right? Like Two Right Love on her arms implies a lot of, implies, frankly, it implies self-harm in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. So like it's it's an edge, it's got edge and bite to the name of the organization, which allows us to go to things like punk rock festivals and fit in really well. And it also helps that like we can look at people and say, you know, most of us don't have clinical experience at the organization, right? I think there's a lot of, I, I I debate this in my head sometimes, right? Where people are like, you need to be sensitive about the words that you use while you're talking about mental health. And I, I agree with that most of the time, but I also want to meet people where they are, right? So mm-hmm. like if somebody isn't going to say, you know, I, I'm having thoughts of suicide, there are way more harsh ways of saying that that people would look at and say, oh, it's taboo to say it that way, right? You can't, you know, say that you were thinking about ending your life or you can't say it a different way or whatever the case is. And I think that it's, you know, there's benefit to being able to meet people where they are if it's in, you know, a dirty dive bar somewhere after a punk rock concert, right? So like we offer that, but at the same time, Mm -hmm. there are folks that are intimidated by that scene that want a, you know, less edgy, more clinical type of experience, right? But then they see an organization like Guardians and they're like, oh, okay, Guardians, like that makes me feel protected. And, um, you know, you have folks that have some clinical experience there and you can you can speak to that. I, 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 but again, there, there isn't a one size fits all for it because everywhere is at a, everybody is at a different stage of taking care of their mental health yeah. and comes from a different place when they talk about it. Uh, and so, yeah, having, having a little bit of everything mixed in the scene is, is, is perfect. Mental health professionals are the same exact way though. Right. I have my specialties. I've worked in my one of my specialties is substance abuse. The other one that I do is working with children and adolescents. Right. That's a specialty that I have. Sure. So if someone were to come to to me, you know, and I actually had this conversation with a colleague of mine, you know, somebody, you know, they were looking for a referral for a therapist who is experienced with LGBTQ population. Yeah. Now, I have no problem if, you know, if someone comes to my office. Absolutely. I, you know but I'm not an expert. I don't claim to be, you know, I will always listen. I will always hear, but if they're looking for a true, true expert, I'm going to call up a friend of mine who I know is, I got you. Let's, let's make an appointment with this one. Right. So there is no such thing as a one-stop shop in reality where, cause we all have our specialties. We all have our things that make us different. And that's going to relate to somebody, you know, cause if anybody says, Oh no, I can work with anybody. Well, yeah, true. But we also want to make sure that the person that you're working with gets exactly what they need. And if that's not you, that's okay. Yeah. The first th- first thing I tell everybody yeah. is I may not be a right, I may not be the right therapist for you. And that's okay. Sure. I want you to tell me if you feel as though this connection is not working, 
I'd rather you let me know so I can find you the person who does. Sure. But you know, it, so that, that way we continue. That concept at a high level is maybe without you even realizing it, right? Is is a lot of the drive behind the variations of the mental health kit that you guys do, right? It's the reason for having mm-hmm. a specific kit for neurodivergence. It's the reason for having a specific kit for for suicide prevention. And and I'm not sure what other ones you're working on. I don't know if you want to reveal them or not, but I'm sure they exist. We have our main <laughs> kit that's really focused on self-care as yeah, well. Sure. Yes. I think that you're right. And actually, it's the first time I even put that into thought is thank you for saying that. But yeah, you know, there's a reason why like there are going to probably be a lot of different types of kits because think about it. There's a lot of different types and not everybody is treated the same way. You know, yeah. you don't treat somebody who may be suffering from obsessive compulsive disorder the same way you treat somebody as, you know, as depression doesn't work. It's not going to work. That's right. fitting the square peg into a circle. It's not going to work. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. And I don't I didn't think about it till now. It's one of the few things that you really don't need a mental health professional to work with you to create a self-care plan and to put your own toolkit together. Because uh, if you are working with a professional, definitely ask them and, you know, work with them to, you know, put one together with you because they'll know you and can suggest things to put in it. But you don't need a professional to work with you with because you know what works for you. And with our digital mental health kit if you look through we actually uh put together a how to create your own self-care plan and in that we actually have some suggestions that for could work for you that you might not have thought of already like you were talking uh instead of going running because of the impact on your knees and everything Mm -hmm. like that because you know none of us are getting younger i mean I, i i ran three years ago that was the last time i ran Unless I was getting chased by like an animal or something. But I found other things that I could do that were low impact that I could do as well. But also walking helps me. Uh, If I'm having a a tough night, I'll actually walk out of my office, go outside, and I'll walk around the block at night and clear my head, get some fresh air and stuff. And I have my own toolkit put together that works for me. And anybody can put their own together and there's some suggestions on there. And then also some examples of what positive self-care and negative self-care examples on there. Mm -hmm. So you, people can understand like how these things impact them. Like, yeah, this would be a good idea, but really I think what's cool about listing it too. Like you were talking about, it's basically habit forming, right? Yeah. Like understanding how, you know, if I'm feeling this, it's beneficial for me to take a walk. Right. And then feeling a certain kind of way is the cue to go do the habit that helps you. Like there's a habit forming pattern that that happens in there. But I think what's cool about writing it down in a self-care plan is identifying when you're falling off track. Like I'm someone that has a lot of peaks and valleys. I'll be fine for two weeks. Right. I'm getting, I'm productive at work. I'm eating well, I'm going to the gym. Right. And then week three, I'll fall into a trough. But the thing that actually helps me is like a little habit tracker. Cause I'll, if I go to the gym that day, I'll check off the day. But like, if I notice it's like three days without being in the gym, four days without being in the gym, five days without being in the gym, like that's the prompt for me to be like, okay, dude, like you're falling into a trough, like whatever, like you're getting into a rut, you're feeling, you know, more depressed than you usually do. Right. Or, or it's more severe than it usually is. But the, the canary in the coal mine is like a little habit tracker that I have for myself. And it's the simplest thing. Like it really is. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I think the minimum is like did something athletic for 20 minutes and that ca- walking counts. Right. And I try to do that as many days in a row as I can. And I notice when I go on a streak of not doing it, it usually mm-hmm. means that my mental health is falling apart, probably for something unrelated, but it's just the thing that's mm-hmm. like, Hey, do you need to take a day off work? Do you need to, you know, what, whatever, not drink alcohol this week. That's a big one for me too. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially during the pandemic, I'm like, it's Tuesday and everything's closed and no one's working. I'll open a beer at 10 a.m. Like, that was not good. Don't, don't do that. Yeah. It took me a while to yeah. dig myself out of that hole. Right. But really simple daily habit tracking, which is part of my self care plan. Um, you know, it sounds intimidating at first, but really, once you start doing it, it's it becomes just a, a thing that you do. Well, that's one of the great things about the Hopeful app as well, because it has that mood tracker. Yeah. I mean, I, I look back at it after seven days to see how I was doing when I was, you know, checking in on it. And I still look back at it. I go on every day and I add what my mood was. And it's that tracker that you could see how you were. And there's a little journal part. Uh, I would love to get this, this app you were talking about, this tracker. Uh, if there oh, is streaks. Specific, streaks is what it's <laughs> yeah. called. Yeah. It's not mm-hmm. a, that one's only, um, Android, but there there are a bunch of them that are similar to to streaks. If you go to habit tracking in the app stores, there's a there's a ton of it. people like to do the little bullet journals too. It's just about trying different things, right? Like the habit tracker, like some people need a paper habit tracker and do it in a bullet journal. Some people yeah, want mm-hmm. it to be on their phone. I mean, for, I like I, to put I read, in that I read a book called Atomic Habits that was huge for this kind of stuff. Recommend reading Atomic Habits. Yes. Great book on habit oh. formation and how to you get know started. It, I do. It's a great book. Atomic Habits is good. It's good stuff. Fantastic book. It's one of the few that I keep. I usually set, I usually donate books when I'm done reading them, but there are a handful that I actually keep around for reference purposes. And <laughs> that was one of them. Yeah. That's great. That's the idea of being mindful though, right? And recognizing who we are, what we need, yeah. and what's going to work best for us. And that's going to yes, be yes. very, very different from friends, from family. It, you know, it might be a little bit similar. We can gain experience from but we always have to kind of look at ourselves and like, okay, what exactly best that I can be? Sure. You know, you know what I compare it to in, in the, the physical bodies world? Because I, I like to draw comparisons between physical health and mental health. And the reason for that is because everybody has the friend that they can just go eat like five pizzas every day forever. And they're just like rod thin all the time because their metabolism is absurd and they never need to work out but they never seem to gain weight. Right. And then you have the friend that actually tries a lot, but has a difficult time losing weight. Right. I look at mental health in the same way. Like some people's brains are geared to need less self-care activity, right? You can have someone that can be just going through absolute hell and their brains just like la-di-da, like plenty of serotonin around, like who cares? Um, But then you can have someone that, you know, not, not that their feelings are invalid, but isn't, isn't, cannot handle nearly as much of the pressure and stress as this other person can, but then like needs to go to therapy to take care of themselves or needs to engage uh, a a really robust self-care plan to keep themselves on the right track. And I I look at those two things as, is sort of a similar way, right? I mean, when we think about our physical bodies, it's easier because it's it's visual, you can see it, right. But our mental health, I think works in, in similar ways where you kind of need to look at yourself and realize like, you're not, you know, defective or deficient because you have a friend of yours that just their it, it's serotonin their serotonin receptors are just really good at absorbing serotonin and yours kind of suck at it, like, <laughs> you know. But there are ways that you can work on that and take care of yourself. 
Um, and, yes. and you might need more self-care than they do. So it's important to not like compare yourself, you know, especially social media, as much as I love Twitter, man, so easy to do that. And streamers do this all the time too, where they're like, that streamer seems so happy or my friend seems like they're so happy or whatever the case is. And maybe they are, and that's great, right? But just because you aren't or because you feel differently doesn't mean that you're invalid or or defective or whatever it is. It might just mean that you need a self-care plan where maybe that person doesn't, right? Or you need counseling where maybe that person has found techniques that work for them outside of counseling. And that's great too. It goes back to hope, right? It goes back to... To, to understanding that that you can get there but you have to you have to be hopeful enough of finding a good answer that you're willing to experiment um, enough to eventually get to that to that yeah. right answer absolutely but in all honesty what that brings up is, is that again everybody's different we're, we're gonna go through things differently we're going to experience things differently there could where I get anxious where Joe you get angry right it's the same exact event but two different people are experiencing it differently. Yes. And I think the other thing that, that I want to mention too, and that's happened between the two of us, and <laughs> it's also been flipped, I think, too, sometimes. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing too, yeah, depression and depression particularly, right? There's a huge biological component, right? Serotonin. And serotonin is naturally, you know, created within our bodies, but it's also naturally expelled. And sometimes the problem is it doesn't get held within our body for long enough. And so depression sometimes can be, it's not always because there are bad things happening around you. It's because your body's not holding on to it for long enough. And just like medication, you know, just like a headache, we take something for it. We take Tylenol, we take this Sometimes for depression, we take a medication prescribed by a doctor to help us out with it. And it gives us a big understanding of like, okay, well, this is just my body. And right. I'm going to love my body no matter what, inside and out. I was su- I was definitely one of those people that was like super resistant to try any drugs for depression. I was just resistant for it for a long time. And then in 2020, mm-hmm. I tried it for the first time. I don't even want to mention the drug name because I don't want to like recommend or not recommend a drug to no. people inadvertently, yeah. <laughs> but mm-hmm. was prescribed something and, and um, gave it a, gave it a go for, I think like eight months um, during kind of the worst of the pandemic and worked mm-hmm. my way off of it. But, but the important thing about that is like, I needed it at that point in my life, right? Like there's also that acknowledgement that like your life and your mental health isn't and doesn't need to be this static thing all of the time, right? That it's okay to need help sometimes and not other times. Um, And it's also okay to acknowledge that like you are suffering more now than you usually are for various reasons, right? Because of whatever you might have going on in your life. And I think like a lot of people that aren't, I think that, you know, people that are, how do I say this? Have a lot of experience with their own mental health I think that's a different type of person than someone that has like never felt depression before in their life. And then like the first serious waves of a start to hit them when they're in like their late twenties and they're like, what is this nonsense? Mm. <laughs> like, what is yeah. this? Like, why am I depressed? Cause we just change over time or, you know, you weren't stressed in your twenties, you changed your job and you're when you were 25 and now you're 28 and you're feeling depression for the first time. And you're like, what do I do with this? Um, how do I, how do I approach this? <laughs> You know, yeah. you, you have to accept yourself as you are in the moment um, and not say, oh, I, I used to be stronger, right? That was always my thing. I was like, when I was younger, I was tougher, right? I was probably just better at disassociating. 
right? For whatever reason. Um, and then I stopped being good at that. If that's something you can be good at <laughs> as I got older and realized that like I needed more, uh, needed more support. Yeah. I was medicated for, for anxiety for a year and a half. And like you said, that point in my life at that, that moment in time, I talked to my doctor and I told him what was bothering me and everything. And I was on something for a year and a half and, and I didn't need it anymore, but uh, you know, thankfully, but it, it was just one of those things that just helped me over that hurdle, you know, to, yeah. to get me through and to help me kind of self-regulate, you know, yeah. having high anxiety. So uh, I didn't affect too many things around me, you know, cause Oh man. I mean, trying, depression. trying it at all came from a friend of mine who I just someone that I had a lot of respect for, and she had kind of gone to war with depression for a long time, still does. And so I kind of went to her with it, and I was like, "This is what I'm feeling. Like, I'm not asking you to diagnose me or give me advice or anything, but like, this is what I'm feeling. Like, is this is this what depression is? Like, that was the conversation that started, right? I mean, but we we go back to just being comfortable talking about mental health topics. And I mean, that, that was life altering to me for her to be willing to talk to me about her experience. And for me to have the comfort with her to be like, Hey, I know you struggle with depression. Can you, can you talk to me about the things that I'm feeling and not in a, you know, people are worried about being a burden, but, but it's not as if you're, you're going to that person to try and solve the problem that you're experiencing. Um, and it's not as if that person feels incredibly burdened by having the conversation with you, but just her being like, yeah, and I tried this and this is how I first got into it. And this is what started to make me feel better, you know, give it a go. Right. And maybe it, it's mm-hmm. for you or not, but talk to somebody and, and see if they agree that you should try it. Um, but the the beginning of all of that was a conversation with a friend who I knew had experienced depression before. Right. And there proves that, the first thought in our minds is not always, well, I should go seek a mental health professional. Yeah. No, the first thought is really go to a friend, go to family and the hope. And I think that's why we do a lot of this is so that way people can understand and know like, okay, I hear you. Let's get you a little bit more support. Right. And medication. So let me preface this. I'm not a doctor. I don't prescribe medication. I work alongside plenty of psychiatrists and doctors who do both in all of the jobs that I've ever had. Medication can be long-term, but sometimes it's exactly like the two of you said, medication can really just be, you know, there's one, there's a lot going on in my life on a social level or an environment level. And there is research and data that shows significant, you know, societal or environmental issues affects us physically. And so again, physically, if we're not producing the levels of hormones that we need to kind of feel okay, things are going to go out of whack here. Right? So sometimes, you know, I do need something to help me think a little bit clearer, help me to recognize that these coping skills that I'm being taught by a therapist is actually helping me. And then we have the conversation on a professional level with a doctor like, okay, you know what? I think I'm ready. Let's start the process of coming off the medication to see how I do on my own. Right. And that's the normal, that can be the normalcy. Now this depends from person to person. This is not a uniform style for everybody, but again, that's because everybody's different. Right. 
but this is where the complexity and this is where the difficulty of mental health comes in. Everybody is unique. Everybody is different. If you feel as though you need something or you need to talk to somebody, please go and yeah. we will help you find that person. And the other thing too, is this goes back to, to hope is that not, not everyone that you talk to is going to be able to relate to the thing that you're feeling. Right. So for mm-hmm. me, it worked because the friend of mine that I was talking to was someone that had been diagnosed with chronic depression and I, I knew that about her. Right. And so she could relate to the things that I were telling her, but you know, it's important to remember that there's a, believe it or not, right. There's a large, it's hard to even imagine this for someone that experiences depression. There is a large portion of the population that does not know what depression feels like. So it would be like describing the color blue to someone that has been completely colorblind their whole life. Like sometimes it will be like that. And those are the people that are like accidentally dismissive of you where they're like, Oh, just eat something or just sleep more or just whatever. And they don't mean to be dismissive of the the feelings of depression that you might be having, but they haven't felt those feelings. They've never seen the color blue before. And so you're like, what does blue look like? Like, how would you even start with that? That is what uh, what describing <laughs> random depression is to someone that has never felt depression before. But they're like, you have a good job and you live in a nice place and you, whatever, you shouldn't feel depressed. And it's like, but I do. <laughs> right. Right. So, I know you have a job, you have a car, you shouldn't be depressed. Like, right. It, 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 I, I know I shouldn't be, but I yeah. don't know why I That's am. why it's so frustrating by the way, is because <laughs> yes. I know I shouldn't be, but I am anyway. That's why it sucks even more. That's, Yeah, that's the frustrating (laughs) part of it, right? And I will also say too, what I also have noticed on uh, on like a clinical level and just working in the various places that I have, more and more, especially actually adolescents, um, which is great to see because uh, at least my field of view, what I've seen, children and adolescents are the most resilient, right? But even I think more so now, and this is maybe the positive of social media, where mental health is being talked about in a positive way, yeah. in some cases, at least, uh, at least my algorithm on TikTok shows me the positive side of things. That's good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so where I have parents come to me, he's like, no, my child actually said to me that they want to see a therapist. And that's why I'm here. Yeah. Like, Great. That's awesome. I love those stories, you know, and let's, let's talk about it. What, what brought you here? What happened? How did you think, you know, so there it's starting. I do start to see that. I think this, yeah. you know, cause I, I'm going to, I'm going to break the cycle of every generation, you know, yeah. saying that the other, that the, the younger generation is bad. I'm breaking that right here. And now no, Gen Z I do kids think got that, it down. They're doing pretty well. Thank you. Yeah. yeah I, I actually agree with that. They understand what they need. They understand what they want and they, and they're learning how to get it. Mm-hmm. And I love seeing it. And I love being a part of it, actually. That's kind of why I like working with a younger population. Because like, oh, I get to see this. This is great. Yeah. I, I don't I, I don't know why necessarily, but their young, younger folks' willingness to talk about their mental health battles seems to be way higher. And again, maybe yes. it's because our TikTok algorithms just service that <laughs> constantly. But I mean, it's I true. can tell you that Two Right Love got involved on TikTok um, last year and shout out to the TikTok mm-hmm. team because they onboarded us there and were brilliant. And they made a huge donation to us when they onboarded us. Um, so, oh, awesome. so big thanks to the the humans at TikTok. but th- there are a ton of people that, that make mental health content on, um, TikTok and they have a charity program where you can donate to charities through TikTok mm-hmm. now. And it's, it's, it's been awesome. We should get you guys on the TikTok train. I don't know if guardians is on the TikTok train yet, but we are not, just not good we, at it. We, right. I was just about to say, we have an account, 
but it's, it's the a lot one of thing work. that I it's a lot yeah. of content work. A lot of content yeah. work. We have and our speaking of speaking of the Gen Zers, we have our young young interns going going strong on TikTok for True Right Love. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Not, yeah, not that's, that's what you need. That, first, that might be first, a, second, a year, subtle hint right there. Yeah, <laughs> we need yeah, that. Not we need a, yeah, out there, it's fun. There, there are some. Yeah. It depends, right? Because there's a lot of space for like, like memeing around mental health, which we don't do. Like, True Right Love typically won't do with its brand. Mm-hmm. Um, there are ones that I love though. They're like, it's not signs of depression. It's Blues Clues, and they had like the little Blues Clues dog and like whatever. I'm like, that's just ridiculous <laughs> but i but you know I, part of that is like in the category of erasing stigma to me right because it starts positive ultimately positive conversations about mental health no i we followed the uh to write love in our arms tiktok and i love seeing the videos coming up from that and yeah they're cute if they're we fun. could get in a conversation with the humans over at tiktok that would be fantastic as well yeah, sure. we just we got to learn how to joe we got to learn how to dance that's the only thing you got to learn how to dance I can it, yeah. dance, but nobody it's wants to be. see it. Well, it is quite entertaining, but um, if I'm good at it, I, I, I think that's a different. You guys have a lot right of cool there. content you could do. Making kits that takes a lot of time. It does. It does. Good I can actually show yeah. you the yeah. other yeah. side yeah. of my the dancing, office. The dancing right. aspect was a joke. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> I I've done a few videos uh, on our TikTok talking about our mental health kits, and we've gotten a great reception from those. And I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we go to prepare all the kits, because we will have 2,500 suicide prevention kits ready to go for suicide prevention week uh, for, for a big launch for these kits. And leading up to that, I am actually going to be bringing them to my day job and setting them up in my conference off in the conference room on a big table right there where we can fit, you know, 40 people, around uh comfortably and Doing i'm going to assembly be, absolutely and i actually have a few of my uh peers who are going to be helping nice. put these together and everything so i'll be doing videos showing these kits being assembled and being put together and talking about the different different uh pieces and material that are in in these kits extensively so uh i know last night i did do quite a bit of talking on the kits and showing some of the materials that are in them and everything. But I, I definitely foresee doing something on TikTok with these more just to have ready for when we launch these to show everybody how much, how much time and effort and just love go into each one of these kits. And one of the great things that is included, and you, you, I actually printed one out is actually a letter of encouragement to everybody it's got your everybody's signature wow. right at the bottom and everything. And it's, <laughs> it's super awesome. We include uh, one of these letters of encouragement in all of our mental health kits. This one is new and is specifically geared towards the suicide prevention kits and encouraging individuals uh, for what they might be struggling with right now and encouraging them to utilize the things in the kits and then reaching out for yeah. help. How do uh, how do folks get a kit? 
they will actually get a kit from uh we'll have a request we'll actually have a, a page up on our website uh specifically dedicated to these where people can go uh follow the link go there and request them right there and that goes right into our logs and everything and one of our staff members will actually collect those and uh print the labels and ship them right out and with having these kits ready to go they'll be going out same day and it, it's mm -hmm. it's going to be really fantastic and these kits they're so impactful and so important uh we're going to make them a permanent kit that people can request going forward that they can get these materials and get these because they're so so useful and it's just an amazing kit altogether i i'd love to see individuals be able to take advantage of these all year round and i foresee it helping a lot of people with getting these and especially at no cost to them and how many things can can you go nowadays and have get something for free and, and especially shipped to you i mean i've seen things where i could get a cat tree that is free but i got to pay the shipping on it and everything <laughs> right that was off of tiktok yeah of course i i, I need one i can almost bought send, one i'm not gonna lie can you send me yeah, I can send you the link. We'll we'll do it off air. Um, <laughs> for the cat tree. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> that was a bad example. It did, that derailed us. Uh, sorry for no, that. I know, but it's one that I need. I've yeah, it's a it's four, really I have nice. four freaking cats. They need a tree. But it's <laughs> it's going to be one of those things where people can go onto our website, and uh, we'll definitely talk more and see if there's something that we can do together to make a uh, a center location for individuals to request these kits and you mm -hmm. know get them sent to them and. Yeah, it, they're absolutely fantastic. And these will ship uh, all across uh, the country. And they usually, once they ship, uh, they usually, usually arrive within two to three days uh, shipping time. Yeah. So, and they'll come in, when they come in, they'll be in these really amazing bags. And the great thing about these bags too, they yeah. are recyclable. So once you open the kit and you get all the materials, if you don't want to keep them stored in the bag and you want to, you know, start utilizing and, you know, putting things where you want them to be after you fill out the plans and put them someplace where you can get to them quickly and easily, uh, you could actually take the bag and put it in your recycling bin and uh, they'll be recycled, which is really fantastic. All the pens are actually, uh, the pens are uh, made out of recycled material and they're biodegradable as well. So those are really great. We try to put a lot of focus and a lot of love and thought into these kits and they're really going to be uh, impactful going forward. And they're curated by hand. So Joe's going to have a ton. I'm once I get settled in the house, I'm probably going to have a ton. I'm sure there's <laughs> plenty of space. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, oh yeah. So And we, we build them and ship them by hand. So no warehouse, no factory. So when we say like it is made by us, you know, the, some of the items, yeah, sure, we got them from different places, but we assemble and curate it in our own homes and ship it, which I think is super cool in a sense. It really is a nice little touch. These kits are only going to be available in the United States. We are hoping to open them up to the international community, to the UK and EU. Uh, we do have a team member who is fulfilling our mental health kits there in country. So our main mental health kits are available for international, uh, for the international community overall. The suicide prevention kits on launch will be available in country in the U.S. 
and going forward from there, we will open them up for international. I yep. think are these are these in the regular mental health kit too? The little dots. So those are in rotation. The so small, I have one. But. Yeah, they're in rotation. <laughs> yep. What we have actually with going forward with all of our mental health kits, so we don't have a static uh, sensory item in there. We actually rotate the grounding and breathing exercises in them. And then also the sensory uh, items as well. So you'll get the the links in there, and then you'll also get a different variant of the links. There's also the pop bubble pads. And yeah, we have right now in inventory, I believe, seven or eight different sensory items that we rotate every 50. So every 50 kits will actually rotate the items out, and that way it keeps them fresh for everybody. Well, you guys have a full two days of fundraising for the kits that we were just talking about, right? The the amount of streamers that we have been that have been incorporated and want to be a part of what we do is amazing. And yeah. for us, and us, for me, it just validates everything sure. that we're doing because there are people that are coming from all over who are like, I want to help. I want to be a part of this. I want to help support. And in the past too, you know, the other streams that we've done to help raise these kits and the continuation of creating these kits, it's it's amazing the amount of support. I think this, you know, this is the one, and we were talking about it last night where we put out the schedule for, for everybody to kind of like sign up, which slot would you want? I think in a day, it was just gone. Like, yep, all taken. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And it, it it's really just humbling. Yeah. The amount talk, of support. Talk about your ambassador program a little bit. Give a little, give a little plug Ooh. for that. The ambassador program. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I ramble. So <laughs> our ambassador program, one of the things we wanted to do with, uh, having our focus being in the gaming community was to create a program that is specifically focused on streamers. And with that came our ambassador program. So our ambassador program is another way to promote guardians, mental health in positive ways through social media, live streaming, and they help uh, advocate for mental health awareness provide positive gaming experiences, provide safe spaces for viewers and also their communities alike. Um, and some of the things that we actually do uh, for our ambassadors is we provide them avenues to educate themselves as well. Uh, we just want to be able to help them on their journey and uh, prepare them for any conversations that might come into their Twitch chat. Uh, some of the things that we do provide with for our ambassadors is uh, the streamer mental health kit training program mm -hmm. that helps uh, talk about uh, parasocial relationships, how those form cues to look out for in your Twitch chats, and then also how to set boundaries as well. That's a great program for that. We also Huge. are going to have another one coming up that I'm leading for. Uh, it's a QPR certification for suicide prevention and also uh, warning signs as well to help uh, streamers and our ambassadors with recognizing verbal direct, non-direct, and behavioral clues that are coming up in their chat. And a lot of these trainings, all these trainings are provided to our ambassadors for free. And it's not only our ambassadors, it's also their uh, mod team as well, because it's just as important to 
provide these trainings and opportunities to the mods because they're the ones that are interacting in the chats the most. So we go forward and with having this presence on on Twitch, they also have the RTS bot up. So there's access to mental health and crisis resources on the fly in the Twitch chats that can be utilized. That is a curated library of a hundred plus different resources and uh, hotlines that if somebody is opening up, uh, we'd like to have our ambassadors be prepared for that and then know how to guide them to proper resources. With seeing things happening in Twitch chats, uh, like we talked about earlier, with uh, some streamers actually trying just mute, 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 kick, or ban an individual that opens up. And which with Twitch, when you start to cre- become a cr- content creator and a streamer, you start to get a community behind you. And then in that community, viewers look at your stream as a safe space. And when there's a safe space, people tend to open up and they feel comfortable in that atmosphere. And especially when they're in their safe space, when they're watching your stream uh, on their couch, uh, in their office, wherever they're comfortable in their space, they'll open up. And when they begin to start sharing, one of the terrible things that you could do is mute them and kick them because that has a real negative impact on that individual. So what we'd like to do is uh, bring ambassadors that have that safe space that are inclusive uh, to communities and viewers alike and provide them with resources and training opportunities and support from uh, Guardians Mental Health with our staff members uh, who are either formally uh, have formal schooling or training or are mental health first aid certified, uh, psych armor trained, and numerous other trainings as well to have those conversations to come in and assist them with uh, any situation that might be popping up in their chat and support the individual. So that's, that's in a nutshell, what our ambassador program is and what we do as well. And they also help us with fundraising to help support the, uh, the mental health kits. And it, it's been really amazing so far. We've had such a great reception. We have so many amazing ambassadors that we just absolutely love and being able to provide them, uh, these uh, live streaming support programs or uh, tailored uh, information sessions and trainings and opportunities like that is really the best way we can actually put our foot forward and support the overall streaming community with educating streamers on various different topics and situations to better prepare them for when somebody reaches out in their Twitch chat they know how to respond correctly and in a positive way. And that's really helps make the overall streaming community just a better place overall. Yeah, it does. There's, there are a lot of great things included in that, but I love the, the educational experience that's available to broadcasters to help them better serve the communities that they foster. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, it's, it's been really great. We actually have three of them that are going to be mental health first aid certified. Um, that's one thing that we do with all of our moderators in our uh, partner discord. Uh, all of our moderators who 
aren't formally trained, who aren't, you know, social workers or uh, mental health counselors who don't have that formal schooling. We provide them opportunities to become mental health first aid certified. And then we also have partnered with Psych Armor, who are focused in mental health uh, support, but also really focused on uh, supporting the military, veteran, and first responders. So having that knowledge of how to interact with those individuals as well really builds that rapport at the beginning when reaching out for peer support with the person. So we we really do try to have a good training behind everybody to have those conversations with anybody that might reach out to us. So no, if, you know, if you do reach out, you, you you are talking to somebody that that has been trained to have those conversations and also guide you to next step resources as well. So one of the biggest things that we can do for anybody else is actually referring them to uh, other resources as well to help them on their journey. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's good stuff. It is good and stuff. I think that kind of brings us to the end of our block. So quick plug, where can they find you, James? To write love on our arms. Uh, we are our acronym pretty much everywhere. T-W-L-O-H-A is the acronym for to write love on her arms. Um, you know, on, we're that on Twitch, we're that on Twitter. Uh, my name is James. I go by Plague TV. You can always email me at jinx at toloha.com, which is always a good time. And uh, we're just just thankful to be here with you guys. I mean, you know, the the goal of to write love on her arms is to be wherever communities form. Um, since 2018, when we started doing things on Twitch, uh, it's just become so obvious to us that there's a, a big mental health need in the scene. And, and we're just thrilled to be, uh, to, to be invited into the club by, uh, organizations that were born from the gaming scene like you guys. So, so thanks a lot for having us on and, and collaborating on the suicide prevention kits, which are probably being assembled very, very soon. Um, or at least the materials are, are being curated yep. for this. And thanks to everybody that is uh, supporting uh, these streams, including the broadcasters that are broadcasting the money that's being raised right now during this stream and the others um, that are in this event goes to, uh, to fund the mailing of the kits. Thanks a lot, gang. Absolutely. Yes. Have a great one. See ya.